Hello, podcast world. Welcome to a bonus episode of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Last week, I had the opportunity to go back on my good friend, the Marathon Marcus's podcast, A Runner's Life, to discuss the London Marathon announcement that it would be an elite-only field in the race competing this year. We discussed all the other options available to runners, um, the virtual marathon, the opportunity to defer to 2021, 2022, or 2023, and then moving the date to a September date, not uh, in its normal spot, um, either six or 13 days after Boston, uh, which we both believe was a good call. Um, the opportunity that it may uh, present for some runners to cheat for good for age times. And we had some fun back and forth banter discussing all things regarding the upcoming London race. We also talked a little bit about um, some of my recent uh, charitable endeavors, uh, uh, things that I've been involved with and running for. So it was a fun conversation, interactive, lots of fun banter back and forth. I hope you all will enjoy it as much as we did. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Hi, Ron. Welcome back to A Runner's Life podcast. How are you getting on? Uh, doing great, Marcus. Thanks so much for having me back on, man. Thanks for getting back on the podcast with me. Um, so the reason why we are talking is in regards to the London Marathon. Uh, we finally got a, an announcement uh, about the 2020 race. Um, and rather than this being a monologue of me talking about my own views, I thought it was great to have someone who's experienced like yourself, who's run the six major marathons with myself and you know, to sort of provide a little bit of balance um, to what we're going to discuss. Um, so, and just, uh, I think the first thing, I just want to get this off my chest. I think finally, I think we've got the sound right. So I think it's about three times where I've tried to get the sound right with recordings of you. I think the first time I was on your podcast, I was about a mile away from the the, uh, the microphone. Second time you were my podcast and I had the volume up way too loud. So it sounded a little bit distorted, but I'm thinking now we've got, we've got it right. Third time lucky. I love it. The third time was the charm, brother. I knew eventually we had to nail one perfectly. So we're, we got the magic going this time. Absolutely. And uh, this is an impromptu podcast. So like trying to, uh, you know, organize it during the weekend, obviously it's like uh, quite challenging because you've got your long run. I've got my long run. So your long run was yesterday and uh, you sent the best text message to me <laughs> about trying to set it up. Um, we had, ended up having to do it on, on the Sunday rather than the Saturday, but yeah, I think you text me saying, oh, I'm gonna text you when I finish my run. You just never know how long I'm gonna go. <laughs> That's like a perfect runner thing to say. <laughs> I know, I know you enjoyed that and you said you were going to use it in the clip. So yeah, for, for all the listeners out there that maybe heard our first two-part chat on the Six Star Series, yeah, Ron Runs NYC is a little on the crazy side. So we don't, we don't write out schedules anymore. We don't do miles and we just go and we, we take it as far as we can. And some days we pull the ripcord, right? You know, we just see how we're feeling out there, man. Exactly. It's 2020. I mean, what else is, is going to happen? I can't really come back to that, to be honest. I mean, you're going to run as long as you need to. <laughs> so There you go. There you go. Exactly. Um, so my coach, John, actually gave me a little bit of intel at the beginning, uh, well, mid midsummer, so around June time. He basically told me, um, and he forwarded on like a message from one of his contacts, and he basically, to the letter, told me what was going to happen in the London Marathon. Um, and I went back to him and was like, no, this, this can't happen, you know. <laughs> there's going to be some like mass participation. Maybe that's just my optimism. But I think as time went on, I was just a bit like, you know, I think this is, he's right to win us. I think it's just going to be an elite only race. I mean, what's your sort of initial thoughts on uh, what's happened with the marathon? Well, John's a smart guy. He, um, he figured out what was likely going to happen. And I feel like after what went down in Tokyo, it never surprised me that London could go that route. And we know how hard you was fighting to put on a mass participation race um, to include all the age groupers and <clears throat> all the people that earned their opportunity to be there. And, you know, they wanted in the worst possible way to figure out a way to make it safe. And at the end of the day, that's just not possible for the size of the fields we're talking about right now. And it's just, they've got to look out for people's best interests. They've got to deal with so many different entities, as you know, having talked to you on your show. Um, to get clearance and okay, similarly to New York Roadrunners or any other big groups that put these races on in their communities. So 
To me, I give you and his team all the credit for trying as hard as they did to bring this together. And frankly, I'm just really getting a little sick and tired of all the people bitching and whining and complaining about the race is canceled. Oh no, what am I going to do? I'm in shock, you know, with that fake shock attitude. I mean, come on. It's reality. It's 2020. How could anybody have literally expected that that race was going to come off? Um, you know, you just knew that was the way it was going to go. So for me, I did hold out the slimmest hope because we're in the, I was in the first um, Wanda Age Group World Championships and was really proud to have earned a spot there. But I knew um, it wasn't going to take place. So um, I'm excited. You know, you got to find the the silver lining, right? I'm excited that Kipchoge and Bekele are going to square off. And I'm sure the women's field will be stacked because there's just so many top elite women running, you know, superb times right now. So you, you take what you can out of it. You know, when Tokyo canceled, that gave me an opportunity to go down to Atlanta and watch the, the men and women race the Olympic trials. So, you know, my advice to everybody listening, find something else exciting to do, get involved with a charity, run some miles, do something good within your communities, wherever you live. And let's let's get the popcorn and get on the couch and watch, uh, you know, Kipchoge and Bekele throw down. Yeah, I agree. And talking of doing good for the community, uh, can you tell us what you've been up to recently? Because you've been doing a lot of um, sort of cool work. Yeah, I've um, taken a big interest in the um, Run With Ribs uh, challenge and fundraiser. That's uh, Tommy Rivers Pusey, um, nicknamed Ribs, who's just an amazing ultra runner, marathoner, triathlete, uh, endurance uh, trail athlete who originally most people felt was stricken with COVID. He collapsed on a run, was having uh, tremendous difficulty breathing, and was in the hospital for an extended period while they were trying to figure out what it was that was ailing him. And um, he had to be moved to a facility that had more advanced medical treatment, um, some type of treatment called ECMO, which can uh, create more oxygen or air, like in the lungs, um, for a patient who's struggling so much with oxygen levels. It, it ended up being a rare T-cell uh, lung cancer, which is uh, a very, very uh, challenging disease. And uh, the running community has just rallied um, remarkably behind him and his entire family. He's got a large family. Um, his dad, his wife, um, his brothers are writing posts, um, keeping the community updated on you know what the state of his conditions are. He's already undergone, started to undergo um, chemotherapy and other types of treatment to um, help him with his condition. But uh, Kraft um, makes a lot of great cycling and running equipment, organized this Run With Rivs uh, challenge, which you could hike, swim, walk, bike, run, mountain bike, literally any, any method of movement, miles count. And um, there's a lot of groups helping um, you know, raise money based on how many miles. There's corporate sponsors involved. There's individual sponsors. Me personally, I'm just doing logging my own miles, riding and running. And I'm also donating my own money. And I've um, earned some, some donations from uh, friends. And I was hoping to get some corporate sponsors to step up as well. So that's my plea. If they hear this and they want to you know, throw some money in towards my miles, I would be very happy because all the money that's raised um, for this Run With Rivs challenge goes to his family's medical expenses. And he has a beautiful wife and I think three daughters and the expenses are just exorbitant um, for someone like him. I didn't have uh, health insurance is what my understanding is. So I've been real involved with that. I've done 191 miles in eight days. So I'm super proud of that. It's been hot as hell, as you know. Um, Weather-wise and every day, that gives me a real purpose um, to get out the door, whether it's on the bike or, you know, lacing up my shoes to get the miles in for a bigger cause. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing to see the running community and wider community really get behind him. Um, he's such an amazing and uh, encouraging force within the running community. And, you know, this year has just been such a tough year for so many. But when you sort of see someone in their prime so strong, it's really hard to sort of see as well. So um, we just wish him, his family, you know, his daughters, you know, his, his wider family, all the best during this real, really challenging time. Yeah, I think um, that's beautifully said, Marcus. And, you know, you look at this guy, um, he looks like he could be a Greek god. You know, he's just got this amazing smile, you know, drop dead handsome. And he has, he doesn't have a six pack. He has a 12 pack for abs. He <laughs> looks like he might be the fittest, you know, athlete on the planet. And 
from every single thing I've read. And I've been following him for a couple of years on Instagram now. And, you know, the guy is just, um, you know, they're, they're a family of deep thinkers. The dad is an amazing guy, writes these incredible posts every day. You know, I think his son has devoured like the most serious literature that's ever been put out in this world, studying, you know, just how we, how we live, you know, how we operate and breathe. And he's work, he works it into the context of his posts. Uh, again, he's a deep thinker, a brilliant writer, as is his wife. And they're just such an interesting family. And for them to be keeping us all in the loop with these daily updates that are so, you know, literally poetically written, it just, it touches my heart. And um, what also touches my heart to see just strangers coming together, you know, putting those miles out there and doing posts every day of whatever it is. If some woman who's, you know, got a kid at home, um, you know, with with multiple learning disabilities can get out there and, and find a way to have somebody watch her child for just a short period of time and go out and run 10 miles, which is the furthest she's run in like two years. You know, that that's the stuff that tugs at your at your heartstrings. Yeah, absolutely. And what we'll do is we'll put the um, the link for your fundraising into the show notes so people can see um, follow that. Um, I think yeah, I think what you're doing is amazing. And uh, it's great to see you know, the running community, you know, get behind them which needs you know i mean it just sort of shows you know like beyond 2020 i mean this is bigger than so much things bigger than running so um we just wish him and his family all the best um so without sort of trying to you know um take away from what we said uh this podcast is about the london marathon um and before we sort of get into a couple of things i just want to go through the history um just a, a couple few uh little bit pointers really so you may or may not know this wrong. So basically, the two late founders, John Disley and Chris Brasher, both are Olympic medalists. Uh, and Chris was actually one of the pacers for the, the late Sir uh, Roger Bannister when he did his uh, sub four minute mile. Uh, and you probably will be happy to know this that um, both John and Chris uh, basically heard great reports about the New York City Marathon. So they decided to go over there in 1979 to see it firsthand, um, just to see how a mass participation race could be. Did you know that? I didn't know either of those two. That is, that's fantastic. I mean, ru- pacing Roger Bannister, amazing. Uh, I got to run on that track, Marcus, when Ronnie was uh, over at Oxford. My son did his junior year over there. So that was incredibly cool to um, go see that track and that history. Um, the fact that they were part of it is amazing. Did not know that. That's amazing. So uh, were you trying to go for a PB when you ran it? <laughs> no, no, man. My mile PB days are long behind me, brother. I got to go for it. The longer it goes, the best the best my chances are. The further I, the further I take things out these days, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. So yeah, that's amazing to hear that actually. So th- this London Marathon 2020, uh, it was postponed from April to October 4th. Um, and there were several announcements along the way uh, and it was actually leaked into the press. And I remember seeing something in the Times coming out uh, before London officially said anything. I thought, okay, it's coming from the Times. If they're going to say something, they must have their sources because obviously, you know, that sort of, <laughs> they can get in trouble. So then legally they need to be make sure that they're, they're kind of uh, up to date and, you know, following, uh, you know, reasonable sources. So once I heard that, I thought, you know, the writing's on the wall. And then later in the day, you hear that, uh, you know, London is postponed, you get the, statement from Hugh um I mean how do you sort of think that they they Hugh and the London Marathon itself sort of handled uh sort of the delays and the announcements I I personally had no problem with it at all and I again I have nothing but enormous respect for you and his team because you know the zillions of dollars they raise in charity it's by far the largest um, amount of money raised by any of our marathons so they're doing amazing things in the community. They've done their homework, as you taught me there on this episode. I did not know they traveled over to New York in 1979 to check things out and see uh, what our man Fred LeBeau had going on when he decided to take it out of Central Park and make it a five-borough race, which people thought he was crazy when when he put that idea forth. But it changed everything for us and the opportunities we have in front of us. So I think the fact that you wanted so badly to have the, the mass participation race and all of the runners being part of it, not to be an elite-only race, should make everybody in the running community feel happy. They shouldn't be upset. I don't, I just don't get it. Everybody has these opinions and we're all entitled to them, but you know, why wasn't it canceled earlier than that? Well, the answer is obvious because they were trying to figure out a way to safely put the race on. And if you 
didn't feel like the race was going to happen or you didn't want to participate because you were worried about your own health or risk, then fine. You, you had the opportunity to cancel or punch out anywhere along the way. So for me, I don't think you and his team could have put forth more effort to try to pull this thing off. And I think they, they did the absolute best they could under rough circumstances. And uh, me personally, I'm in the age group world championships. They, they pushed us into next year. So we'll have a chance to be in that first age group world championships which is October of next year, right? I believe that's when they pushed it to. So I, I don't think they could have done anything better. I don't understand, you know, for people who get up in arms over this stuff, would they have really felt better about themselves if they knew a month or two ago the race was canceled? Like, I don't understand how that, how that makes things so much better. Do you? I, I just don't. Yeah, I mean, and also, if you sort of look uh, about what the London Marathon's about, I mean, they've got six aims, and the sixth aim really is to have fun and provide some happiness and a sense of achievement in a troubled world. I mean, that basically relates to what's happening now. So, it was if it was there in the eighties, like why would he not try and bring that aim forward to today? I think he was trying his best to make that happen, but you know, just it just wasn't safe to do so. Yeah, and that and they made the right call, um, and they did the best they could with the with the hand they were dealt. And I, I think, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, people will watch. This is Bekele against Kipchoge. Um, I, I'm pretty sure Bridget Koske is already committed who who crushed it in Chicago and broke the women's world record. You, you've seen the kind of times the elite women are lo- throwing down these days. I can't wait to see what kind of feel they, they put together over there. And, you know, it's different. Sure, we want to be there. That's that's in your backyard. I want to get on a plane and come over there and race, but you can't. So that's the way it goes. And we're all just going to have to be patient and hang in there a little bit longer. And and uh, that's the way it goes. Yeah, I agree. I want to get onto elites um, a little bit later. because You've touched on some great points there that I want to revisit. But I'm just going to part that for this one moment. And when I actually had Hugh Brasher on the podcast and episode 13, um initially i was just you know speaking to him about these achievements and then i started talking to him about uh technology and space standards which um all mass participation events need to have you know in terms of making sure that everyone has enough space in the starting pens or uh, allowing enough people to pass through the water stations without restricting their strides so they can pick up the water and just keep going um, it doesn't always work because obviously you know p- people are people <laughs> and they sometimes don't pay attention to what they need to be doing but that's life um, and it's interesting in that podcast because he kind of laughed and then he said I'm not going to go into it and it kind of makes sense now because when you listen to like the recent information he did speak about uh, in the like latest statement he talked about technology and he explained that when he uses a uh, new bluetooth technology ultra and ultra wideband ranging uh, which is basically is going to be launched worldwide. And it's, it allows you to monitor every uh, runner's uh, distance from each other. And it works out like if you spent more than 15 minutes within 1.5 meters or any distance that you set uh, with anyone that basically had like COVID uh, post uh, race or during the race uh, after two weeks after the event. So he couldn't really speak about it then, but it kind of makes sense. I mean, it, and you sort of see like they were trying to make it happen. But unfortunately, it just with COVID as it is, there's no real handle on it. So I just think it it was in a real tough position to make it happen, especially when you think about the the pressure on the emergency services and everything else. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, Some of the technology that they're investigating now didn't didn't know anything about that. Um, So we need more information like this, right? For, you know, contact tracing and things of that nature. And, um, Look, there's just, there's really no way, Marcus, any of us can know. I mean, there's been how many um, protest runs I've been involved with with Black Lives Matter where I've been very close to people but had a mask on the entire day. Um, And obviously to this point, I don't have, um, have not come down with COVID to this point. I've been tested. I've been tested for the antibodies. Um, That doesn't mean that, you know, you couldn't be, um, you know, carrying it and maybe didn't fail, you know, they have false positives and false negatives on the test in terms of for the antibodies. I don't mean whether you have COVID or not. So I just think we just, we just as much as we know, there's so many things we still just don't know. And um, I think they're just, it's just really difficult for them to get buy-in from all of the areas they need to, to put on a race. And that's why New York had to pass. And that's why London ultimately had to pass. And you know, we don't, we don't even know like 2021, we, we could be looking at way into the latter part of the year. So I'm happy London chose to 
push out to October, right? Because that's another thing people are, are people just not even aware of that. I know you are and I am because London would normally going off, you know, you know, 13 days or six days after Boston. That's generally how it breaks out, right? It's either six or 13 days. So I'm happy there's going to be some space between the two of those. I just hope that somehow, you know, we've figured out a way that Tokyo or, you know, and Boston could go on in the first part of the year. Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that because because the next Boston Marathon is going to take place in the regular time in April, but London have decided to kind of defer it and go into October. Um, so I think I think 2022 will be the first race when it goes back to April, all going well. I mean, what's your sort of thoughts on the Boston one? Do you think that they're going to have to maybe revisit it based on what London has done as well? Yeah, I'm, I mean... It sounds like April's so far away, but look at the way time is happening. And I think if you just study the amount of outbreak that's still continuing to surge, you know, particularly in the U.S. and other countries, you know, thankfully not where I am right now. We've we've gotten things well under control here, but uh, I don't I don't feel overly optimistic about any of the earlier part of the 2021 races happening. I hope I'm wrong. I want I want to be on a plane going to Tokyo in the worst way to get a chance to get my second six star. And I want to be in Boston in April and see all my friends and, um, you know, come together and rally. But I, I think London made a really smart choice, pushing it further back out to October. Um, and then I think, you know, so I think you'd have a bunch of races very close together there with, um, you know, Berlin and, and New York and Chicago and London, but I'm not going to worry about that at this point because why it's silly to waste energy on things that we have no control over. Exactly. And I think adaptability is key and it's something we'll sort of touch on towards the end about what we can do next. But I think the crucial thing is that mass participation events like the marathon will look very different moving forward. And if you're going to hold on to that view, when am I going to run a London type race again of the past? you know, you're going to be stuck in the past. I think you need to kind of move forward and adapt to the new future because we're not sure when that's going to happen again in terms of not those types of races. I think that's a good a good way to look at it, Marcus. I think like anything else, um, you know, who could have ever anticipated that the New York Marathon could grow to the size field or London or or any of the other majors for that matter? I don't think any of us could. I mean, back then when I first got into racing, you know, it was common for about 10,000 would be a huge field. And now we're 4X, 5X of that. It may shift back in the other direction. You know, some people may not feel they're getting the same level of experience out of it or may not like the way the new race standards that are going to have to be imposed are put in to your to what you're uh, mentioned about uh, technology that you and his team were investigating. So I don't think any of us know what it's really going to look like on the starting line for some of these races moving forward until we get there. And uh, so you got you to just, like you said, roll with it and just... Uh, you know, learn, learn how to adapt to these situations. We're all going to have to, and you know, the alter, what's your alternative? You're not, you don't want to run. Don't run. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I don't put a whole lot of pity for people who are got the violins out and they're crying and, Oh no, what's going to happen. And uh, my virtual race should count for my six star. You know what? No, it doesn't count. You know, you'll wait till the real races happen and you'll earn it on a real course. And, and that's the way it goes. So, you know, suck it up and be ready when the time comes, man, be ready to get out there and, and roll the, roll up roll up the, your sleeves and race, right? Yeah, I agree. And we've spoken about this before in our last podcast about our views on getting a, a six-star medal from a virtual race. And the way I look at it is like, imagine I walked into a physically distant bar and there were several people that summited Mount Everest, which is basically 29,000 feet, around 29,000 feet. And I chip in, you know, go, oh yeah, I know, I, I recall the time that I climbed my stairs the same height. For the equivalent i mean they're not going to take me seriously or like say if lewis hamilton so is sitting next to me and i say to him oh you know you set the fastest like qualifying lap at the current silverstone layout right and i say oh i set the same time or even quicker on my playstation i mean come on <laughs> it's not gonna take me seriously i absolutely love the mount everest one the playstation <laughs> one just really made me crack up because i love video games so i might have to go take a run at his lap time later or if i'm bored uh, actually, not that not that either of us have a lot of free time between our podcasting <laughs> and our running, but 
So it's it's completely insane. What sort of person could actually legitimately think that running a virtual race is going to uh, give you the ability to earn a six star? Get a grip, people. I mean, yeah. it's a real race. You got to go out there with other people. You got to run up and down the hills. You got to run into the wind or against the wind or with a rainstorm coming or 85 degree temps. Whatever the race throws at you that day, that's the race. That's when you earn your medal. And if it's the six that's up for you, that's when you get the big six star. That's when you get a hug. That's when you get to go into the booth. That's when you get your pin. That's when you get to feel that moment of glory that you worked so hard for. Not going out and running around your neighborhood or running on a treadmill. Sorry, doesn't count. No good. It doesn't count. It doesn't count. I agree. And imagine if, like I say to the person that thinks, you know, we should uh, allow virtual races. Like if we allowed you to, to do that, you doing that would basically devalue the whole process and make everything worthless. So imagine it just makes no sense. It, Mark, it's not only that, um, we live in a, a culture of people who, you know, particularly on the elite level, Olympic level sports, you know, professional sports, I don't, you name your sport, I don't care what it is. Illegal drugs have been involved in track and field, in running, in swimming. You name a sport where you have a chance to win a gold medal and have a chance to win maybe a lifetime contract with a big, you know, big brand out there like Nike. You name a sport. I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if it starts happening in golf where if the guys can drive the ball a lot longer, you know, they're going to be able to score better, right? Ultimately. So you put that opportunity out there. You think I'm going to trust somebody who wouldn't get on a bicycle and say they rode 26 miles and, you know, figure out a way. I guarantee you there's some way somebody could cheat GPS and not actually do, you know, what they say they did. And, and all of a sudden, you know, they're, they're uh, oh yeah, I ran six sub threes in, in 2020 and I earned my virtual six star. Okay. Good for you. Like you said, to me, that's more of a video game. That's like PlayStation. That's not real. You know, there you go. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I think we, we, I think we're pretty clear where we stand with this one. So, uh. yes. And by the way, anyone who has the opposite viewpoint, feel free to bomb Marcus and I after listening to the pod and, you know, throw some jabs left and right at us and, and we'll take you on in the comments. So bring it on. Absolutely. Uh, so staying on the mass participation um, event. So it's a virtual race, as we said. Uh, it's taking part October 4th. It costs £20. And for that, you get, you know, a new balance, uh, finish a T-shirt and the medal uh, for the 40th race. Uh, and it's basically two key dates that uh, runners need to pay attention to. So August 12th is the date that they will let you know whether you want to take part in the virtual race. And September 1st is the second day, which basically gives the options to defer to a later marathon with no uh, additional payment. So uh, different years. So from 2021, which we've talked about in October, and then April uh, 2022 and April 2023. Um, so those are the kind of the, the two key dates. Um, but you've got to bear in mind that you might not get your first choice because it's still into a ballot. Um, so we kind of have to be a bit mindful of that as well. So what's your plan? Because I know you're thinking about doing the Boston virtual marathon, do you think you might do the London virtual marathon as well? Um, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent on doing the London virtual at this point. I'm, I am doing Boston. I committed to doing that one. Um, I may, I may do it. Um, I, I, I'm definitely going to September 1st with the age group world championships. We have the opportunity to defer to, we were told that we would get into the 2021 race because of, you know, qualifying for age group world championships. So hoping that holds true and expect it will. So I'll be there in 2021. As far as the virtual, who knows? I mean, I, I could, I could see myself doing it. I did not sign up for the virtual in New York. Um, look, I've already run 10, 10 marathons this year, <laughs> even though they're not real races, man, they still count, man. They're still 26.2 miles every time you, you get out there. So I don't know, but Boston, I'm definitely going to do. And, um, you and I have some fun ideas on, on doing some pods, you know, some podcasting stuff for that. We'll, we'll see about that. That might be fun. <laughs> yeah. The body remembers that you've done all that mileage run. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm, not, also remembers. and I'm not getting any younger, Marcus. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And you're turning 60 this year as well, aren't you? So Yes, absolutely. We need to have a big party somewhere when we're all allowed to fly and travel to the same place. Yeah, I think first of all it's gonna be like a virtual Zoom party, then a physical one <laughs> later. <laughs> you might you might be right. But I'm I mean it's probably right because it is January and I can't imagine it's gonna be all that different by then. But we'll 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 hope for it. We'll see. 
Yeah. And I know that the organizers also, in terms of the virtual race, have sort of advised people not to run the actual course um, just for safety reasons as well. And I mean, I wouldn't advise doing it as well because obviously there's still a lot of traffic there as well. Um, that's for London. Um, but yeah, I mean, people do what they, they, <laughs> they do anyway, despite uh, well-intentioned advice. Um, <laughs> but so the charities really are the ones that are kind of really losing out as well. So, I mean, been so tough and it's been amazing to see what you've done as well from your side um and i just think as well you know if we can all try and do our best really just to try and see whether we can sort of help and fundraise what's possible because i know a lot of people are struggling as well um i think that's a, a great thing yeah i think it's it's such an important um topic to address because as we've said before and you know you should be proud of that i know um i'm proud of the running community overall what what the abbott major series of races contributes, but London, the amount that they contribute, it's, it's remarkable. It's, it's number one. They've been number one for the longest time in terms of dollars raised. And you, you hit the nail squarely on the head. These charity organizations are dramatically impacted by the fact that these races aren't taking place. So in addition to the run with ribs campaign, which I'm involved with, I'm doing something for the American cancer society, which is called determination takes on the world. And again, same thing. You could kayak. Any, the, any mile counts. You can form teams. You can be all around the globe. And what's made it really fun and interesting is every, uh, you know, somebody is tracking and accumulating all these miles. It's on a page. You can see where you stand amongst all the people in the challenge. And it shows you where we are on the globe. So, you know, you're in Africa one day. Now we're in Russia. And, you know, you get this feeling collectively like we're all doing something, which is really what it's about. And not only individually, if you're the kind of person who does like to keep score and push themselves, you can see how you're doing individually. But if you put a team together, you can see how you're doing in terms of your miles. And then also, of course, on the fundraising side, because they desperately need the money to keep you know, business open, right? To keep things going, whatever their directive is with American Cancer Society, that money is going for a multitude of things to drive people to the hospitals, to get them back and forth between their treatments, to give wigs to people that are, you know, having, you know, radiation treatments, et cetera. So um, I just feel like there's, if you put a little work in and, you know, think a little bit more about others at a time like this when we all need to be thinking in that manner, there's definitely something you can do, whether it's in London, in New York, New Jersey, um, in in Russia, in England, in any country that, that, that listeners might be tuned into, figure out a way where you can get involved. Um, and we can put that link up as well um, for American Cancer Society, Determination Takes on the World, um, because that challenge is going to go on for at least another month beyond the Tommy Rivs challenge. So my miles are counting for that one as well. My fundraising is going on for that as well. And I even threw it out to you before we jumped on. I ran for um, Action Against Preeclampsia, um, a London-based charity, and they were just uh, so fantastic to me when I ran London um, a couple of years ago. And I was just honored to wear their jersey and be part of them. And I know just from newsletters I'm receiving from them that they're hurting in the same way American Cancer Society or any other charity is. So I'll just throw it out to you. You know, you have so many connections over there. If you wanted to pick a UK-based charity or maybe help me do something for preeclampsia and just get a get a little team together and I'll reach out to their executive director and their head of fundraising and see if we couldn't put something similar together like American Cancer Society has going. I know that you understand the value of that stuff. And if we got a, a fun team together and we tracked it on social and just everybody's doing their part, it doesn't matter whether you're cycling, you know, mountain biking, you know, rollerblading, you know, you're just going out swimming, you know, whatever, walk your dog, just get out there and do something, you know, for a collective good experience. And I'm sure that um, it would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, you know, it's a great cause. And like you said, they are one of so many uh, charities that are really suffering right now. Um, so definitely willing to do that and uh, for uh, definitely set something up. Uh, but I think for the London Marathon, I think they raised basically like 66 million pounds last year, uh, which is like the biggest total like one day event. And I think since 1981, they've raised over 1 billion pounds uh, for charities. So, I mean, that's kind of sort of shows you the impact uh, that the London Marathon has within uh, the British culture and even global culture as well. Um, so, you know, this is such an important part. It's not just running. It's not just, uh, you know, 
just running for yourself um it's thinking about other people and uh, there's so many people we need right now so well said the i remember when i saw that one billion i i just smiled man my smile just got wider and wider because i was like walking through the expo halls and i was like wow one billion dollars just think about that kind of impact of all of those you know disparate charities reaching so many and the impact that it has so yeah i mean this is this is the time to you know again let's put the violins away stop feeling sorry because you didn't get to run your fourth out of six or your fifth out of six, you know, just find something, you know, higher purpose to contribute to. And, you know, so, so maybe you're not going to be, you know, running your long runs at the same pace. Maybe you're not going to be grinding your tempo runs as hard, but you know what? You'll feel really good about yourself. I guarantee you, you'll feel really good about yourself if you get in a mode like this for a little while. And look, we're, we're going to probably be in this, you know, wait and see mode for a while. So if anything, I think it'll just recharge your batteries. Me just getting back on a bicycle, Marcus, for the first time in four years, because we chatted a little about that before we came on too. I can't tell you what a change uh, just every other day. So I'm doing a longer bike ride and then I'm doing a longer run and I'm doing a longer bike ride. So it's such an unusual schedule. Talk to your boy, John, about it. He'll probably think it's a little crazy, but if he saw like my heart rates and my paces and all, he would probably think it was actually really good because it's a lot of aerobic strength building work and long, long times uh, you know, on the bike or on the run. And, you know, at this point, I, I think it's really good. I mean, you know, do you really need to be crushing speed work and, you know, doing like super hard mile repeats or 400s? I mean, and, and you know what, if that's what is keeping you motivated right now, by all means, keep getting after it, man. Don't, don't let me, you know, rain on that parade. Like you, I think you just got to find your lane right now. If you, whatever that is, if you like short, hard, fast stuff, and you want to go for a virtual 5k record or a one mile record, man, get after it and do that. You know, whatever it is, find your lane. Yeah, no, I agree with that because you've got to do what's right for you. But then at the same time, we've only got like a limited amount of energy we can expend during the year. I mean, we can't go David Goggins beast mode every day. I'm sure David Goggins doesn't go beast mode every day. There's only so much you can do uh, that you can spread over a year. So I think you got to be mindful of like what your future running goals are and obviously take into account, you know, what's happening this year and what's happening next year. And try and keep it fun, like you've said about sort of switching up um, and sort of taking some of the pressure off, you know, cycling or swimming is where the goal isn't so focused on, uh, you know, a, a qualifying time or, you know, uh, a personal best, for example. But, you know, at the same time, if you want to go all out, then that's down to you. But, you know, you just got to manage how you're going to sort of uh, spend that energy throughout the year. Um, so, I mean, you know it's per people person dependent i'd say um and the last point that i want to make about the virtual race because this has caused quite a lot of attention and i want to get your thoughts on it as well is that they are thinking about well they actually they are going to allow um times for the virtual uh race to count towards uh, good for rage or championship places and as you can imagine there's been a lot of you know chatter online about how people will cheat um because you know people cheat in actual real marathons so i'm yes. sure you know <laughs> virtually cheating you know what i mean this, this won't go away i mean what's your kind of thoughts on this well first off i just thought of a guest for you to have on who's the guy who does the marathon investigation so you need you need to get <laughs> yes. him on your show because he's going to give you every reason and tell <laughs> he'll, he'll come up with every person that he's caught over the years right i mean yes, yes people cheat it sucks it's ridiculous oh my god it's embarrassing and, you know, look in the mirror, man, if, if that makes you feel good somehow to do some nonsense like that. Um, I don't know, you know, because we don't have the good for age piece of it there because that's a UK based thing. And I'm sure it's really hard and incredibly competitive and, and well earned. Right. That's a, a nice badge to say, hey, I'm good for age, you know, like like me getting in the age group world championship. So um, it's unfortunate. But I mean, they, I don't think again, they probably didn't have any choice. Right. How else are they going to? offer those categories for next year's races, I guess, you know, I don't, I don't know, but I listen, man, you know, everything you does, he's putting a lot of thought into it, man. Believe me, I, I'm sure he felt that was just what was best under the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, like he's been pretty, pretty generous with like what he's done. So you can't sort of knock him for that. And they have sort of said that, you know, they're going to provide supplementary evidence about what qualifies on August 31st. So we have to wait and see um, what happens with that. But I mean, I'm always thinking, does it devalue the process? Because I can imagine that people who have qualified on the course or other courses would say, well, you know, running 
uh, a marathon on the course is one thing and virtual races unless it's or even time trials unless it's on a measured course an official course then does it really count um so i think there's a lot of people that are concerned that you know people are going to use their garments and people are going to use their sports watches to determine the time and as we all know that sports watches aren't accurate um they're fairly accurate but they're not 100% accurate um you always hear someone saying oh you know my time was 27 miles for the marathon. I'm pretty sure it's 26.2. <laughs> yeah, that is that is easily one of the things that cracks me up the most, or depending on the mood I'm in that day, or that pisses me off the most. Like, yeah, I ran 27.83 miles. I guess I don't know how to run tangents. No, you didn't run 27.83 miles, okay? Get a grip. And then they start figuring out what they actually think they average pace per mile. They start dropping themselves to 640 per mile versus 656 and saying that they would have run their sub three. Um, no, you didn't run a sub three no you didn't run 27.83 miles hello gps is not 100 accurate to your point yeah i mean it's a fact look where i live i have a lot of tall buildings along both sides of the water my the jersey side where i'm directly across you know four minute ferry ride or when i'm on the new york city side and i can't tell you how many runs marcus you have to have go through this i mean you know all of a sudden you know i'm running you know 730s four in a row and all of a sudden i've got an 842 mile in there i'm like what the fuck what just happened you know <laughs> i didn't slow down you know my tempo is the same my cadence is the same and i'm like okay i'm a minute 12 yeah so you can't you just you're absolutely right um and unless i'm sure you have many areas of london um where you all know in your parks um you must have measured loops and whatnot you know that's what the beauty of central park is you know the big loop is a you know just a hair short of 10k right around 10k 6.x um you've got the inner loop and the outer loop that are five and and just a hair under five and you have another one that's like four and you've got another one that's like 1.75 so we mix and match our loops but we know what they are um so sure, you might have to navigate people on a bike or somebody walking a dog here and there, and that might throw you off a few tents here or there, but it's not like you're going to be way off at the end of the day. You know what you're looking at, but it's it's not the same as going out on a trail where you may not have any line of sight to the satellite and you know you, you think you ran 26.2, but you might've run like 23 or you might've run like 30. You don't, you don't really know, certainly not to the point of counting it as official. Yeah, I agree. And also- depending what time you run during the day, you know, the, the satellites will be in different positions. So you'll get different readings at different points of the day. So that's why, you know, you have to take it as like not absolute truth. It's fairly accurate, but it's not hundred percent, you know, the truth. Yeah. Agreed. And that's why those courses spend so much time and effort, you know, measuring and using a wheel and, you know, recertifying and, you know, the, the process is, uh, it's exhaustive for them, you know, to ensure that we're going to be running, uh, you know, a, le a legal certified course. Yeah, they can't afford to get the course short. That <laughs> no. caused so much embarrassment if yeah. any of the majors got it short. I mean, it's it's going to happen. So and you it, know, it happened, Marcus. Not to cut you off, but it happened. I remember when Salazar won uh, New York City one year and set what would have been the world record. And it again, it doesn't have to be short by a lot. It can be a hundred meters. You know, it can be eighty meters, but hits enough that it's not gonna you know people are then gonna question you know the whole course you know like they start it brings up things that you don't want brought up right how well did they mark the rest of the course and you know blah 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 so sure surely it's happened in in uh races over the years but for the most part um they really do a great job yeah it, it does happen i mean it's happened in manchester uh a few years back um and also happened in florence as well I think they had to move the the finish because I think due to the weather or something along the lines. So I think only the first certain percentage actually got the right marathon distance and the rest of them didn't. So it's uh, <laughs> it's interesting when you see people that have run Florence and were behind that cutoff still claiming they, they've used that as a PB time because you're like, well, it clearly wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's like it's like for me, for example, like I, you know, I'm not sort of mocking people, but like, even though I've sort of talked about me doing time trials uh, during lockdown, I've done a 5K and a 10K, and I say they're PRs, but they're not really PRs because, you know, it's not on a, a timed course, uh, an official course. So I take it lightly, you know. I, I think, well, it's there or thereabouts. Um, and for me, it doesn't really count um, unless it's in an official race. It's like we go back to Everest's conversation. I can't go back to someone <laughs> at the same position and say, like, my virtual race counted the same as your actual race. So, um 
That that Everest analogy, I'm gonna be I'll be stealing that because it's great. But I, I disagree. I think your times. I know how you are. I know how I am in terms of being anal and being precise. And same thing with your coach. I'd be willing to bet that those courses were exact or as close to exact as possible. Um, but I would feel the same way that you would. I don't know that I could feel that it was a true PR. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't count it so lightly. I would, in my mind. The next time you line up, you know, when you're fit, I'd be thinking that's my PR and that's what my, I'm going to go to beat that time. And I'll bet you that you will, um, you know, we'll bet a few pints, uh, you know, we can find a gluten-free pint for me. Otherwise we'll have to go with some, some, you know, some water yeah, <laughs> or, or some no crap, crappy gluten-free beer that stinks. But yeah, we'll bet a few, we'll bet a few pints on that. Cause you're, you're ready to rip some, some real yeah. PRs, man. I'm sure of it. I mean, just to add a bit of context, but I mean, I would still say that they are PRs, but I'm probably like 80%. There's still a 20% and it's like, it's not on a race. So I mean, I'm not completely like taking it away, but at the same point, you're kind of like, oh, that little bit in the back of your head, because you know, it's there or thereabouts. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So you, like you're saying, don't devalue like your own achievements. So no, I agree with that. No, don't. And 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 for anybody out there that feels like they are really fit right now, hey, there, there's usually an answer, right? There's, I mean, I don't know, depending on where you live in the world, like where I am, I've got a track, you know, a half a mile from my front door, but for whatever reason, because each municipality can make their own rules, they've deemed that no one can run on our track. You can't run. You're allowed to walk on it, but you can't run on it. So thanks for having this beautiful track with views of the New York City skyline, a half a mile from my front door, and I can't actually run. But most people do have some access to a track. I mean, we're, depending on where you live, most people have access. We all know tracks are measured. You should be able to find out if your track is a, a legally measured track because not every track that you're going to run on is is legally measured right have the meets run there has anybody wheel measured it etc but if you're running on a legit track and you learn the markings which you could easily figure out from google you know where a 5000 meter race starts where the 1 mile starts where the 1500 meter starts have at it man you know if you're running on that course that's legit right you know you know that yeah i mean yeah for like a track you, you can work out especially with the laps and stuff like that and we can just get your measuring wheel out if you're really technical <laughs> if you want to do it and that also validates our gps scam because only coros <laughs> which we both wear only coros has this like track lap mode um i'm not even sure what it's actually designated as but i think it's called track mode or whatever where they figured out some crazy algorithm to get track mileage correct because as we know depending on if you're running in lane one two three or four you know you're traveling further distances i don't care if you're using a garmin a polar the best one you name a watch of any kind you can go to the track a hundred days in a row and get different mileages from running in the same lane and it'll come out different virtually every single time so you have to know that if you ran four laps or one lap is 400 meters, you know, or four laps is 1600 meters, you know that you ran that. Don't go, don't worry about what your watch says. You know what it is. It's if, again, if the track has been measured. And I do have to say that because, hey, man, there are tracks out there that are 350 meters. There's ones that are 500 meters. You know, it just depends on the space that they were put in and, you know, how long ago were they built. And, you know, unless it was accurately measured, then, you know, you really can't know for 100% certain. But most, most tracks are pretty, pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, just be honest about it um, and work with what you've got, especially with the watches and, uh, and the distances and i would just say in the final point about cheating it's like at the end of the day you're only cheating yourself really and you're taking away someone else's spot so um and you just don't want to embarrass yourself i mean like for example like a london championship place for me is 245 sub 245 and if i say i ran 230 and i get to the championship place and i'm running 330 you know someone's going to be up so you know just uh just don't cheat yourself and don't take someone else's place i mean that's why i would basically say just be honest because you're only gonna you're only cheating yourself Do, and anybody listening to this pod don't don't cheat because marcus and i'll come for you we're gonna hire the marathon <laughs> investigations guy and we're gonna hunt all of you down so if you got any ideas about cheating your, your gfa fellow runners there will be repercussions so let let it be known the warning has been laid down right now I think that person you're talking about is going to be all over this virtual yes, <laughs> results. Yes. He's going to be very busy uh, yes. for the remainder of the year. So uh, he's going to be loving that. But um, yeah, so the elite race as well, which you touched upon earlier, um, 
London Marathon was going to have all the world record holders for across all the elite events. Uh, and you touched on obviously Kachobi, Michele, uh, Bridget as well. Um, it's just going to be an amazing event. I mean, usually London takes place from Blackheath, starts there, and finishes at the Mall. But this year it's going to be in St. James's Park. Uh, I think it's going to be about 30, 40 athletes taking part. So, which is the reason why they can sort of, you know, um, fall within sort of current guidelines to keep everyone safe. I mean, what's your sort of thoughts on it? Are you going to watch it or? Oh, I'm watching it, 100%. Um, you know, certainly watched uh, Kipchoge do his thing in Vienna. And, you know, coincidentally, Ronnie and I traveled to Europe, all throughout Europe. He was in Paris for music school. Um, it's hard to believe it feels like it was 20 years ago. It was last summer. It's last summer, right? I mean, don't you feel like Corona time, we've been suspended in a time warp. Everything feels like it was like 20 years ago. But last summer, he spent a month in Paris music school. And then we started on a trip around Europe and we ended in Vienna. And I got to run on that, what do they call it? The green lung. Um, they got all these fun nicknames for it. But that patch of road that's so flat, surrounded by just beautiful forest air and trees, got to run that. And it was only a few weeks before, maybe a, a few months before he threw down and, and ran his crazy time, right? So people thought that's like an exhibition. It's not real. Well, man, I took it seriously. I thought it was awesome. I don't think anybody else in the world could run that fast. I don't care if he, you know, had like wind blowing behind him, you know, 75 mile an hour winds blowing. He still ran it and he still turned on the jets at the end. Um, so the thought of like St. James Park, that they could, you know, create some super cool loop course where you could have spectators around, man, I'd, I'd love to be able to go and watch it. Um, I don't know. Um, what is the date, Marcus? What is the date for it? October 4th, but I don't think there's going to be any spectators bar the teams and Got probably it. officials. Got it. Okay. It makes sense because if you allow it, then it's going to get overflowed and then you're going to run into the same reasons and then you're going to get a backlash. So makes sense. Oh, well, I'm sure they'll have it pumped through all sorts of virtual channels for you to watch. So I I will be excited, fired up on the couch with some popcorn and uh, cheering my head off to watch those fields go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. I think it's going to be exciting. Yeah, it's amazing. that The fact that, you know, we've got all the world record holders there, hopefully, and uh, it's going to be an amazing race. Um, you know, Bekele, I mean, it's such an accomplished track athlete. So it's very close. And, you know, their, their times, especially in Berlin, the world record time, and uh Trobe is so close so you know if it all goes well it's going to be very tight i think um so looking forward to to seeing it and the next thing i want to sort of go on to is the the ballots now as you know the london marathon <laughs> the balloting <laughs> caused a lot of contention and i just <laughs> for the next few years i could imagine there's going to be even more whinging on the groups um on on social media about how hard it is to get places um, because obviously we're going to have people carrying over their places and to future races, and we just don't know what's going to happen with COVID as well. Um, so basically, the next year's ballot will open uh, Sunday the 4th uh, of October and closes the 9th of October this year, uh, and the results will be announced early January uh, 2021. So I'm just not looking forward to that day uh, on certain groups on facebook and social media <laughs> yeah i think that's uh you know for all the different uh world marathon major website uh facebook groups that we're in that's like the world record of the most postings and memes and just idiotic posts and stupid stuff like it's just you know like one person gets in and then everybody's pissed off you know instead of already being happy it's like hey marcus got in no what he got in he knows people there this is this is fixed or you know what ron got in through the ballot luckily for me i never got in through the ballot i've actually never applied for the ballot i i ran with preeclampsia once and um you know um other you know other you know had the qualifying for age group championships and um you know last year um how did i get in last year oh uh oh one year i got in through new balance actually new balance had a uh rewards program when you buy sneakers and buy merchandise you would get points and if you accumulated a certain number of points you can get a bib and like it was so new um that like literally nobody even knew about it so i had all these points and like i got this email i was like is this real this can't be real can it you know it was almost like you know like some fake thing <laughs> you know somebody to hack your account and i clicked <laughs> on it 
And it's like, yes, you will, we'll send you your bib information in a week. And I was like, did I just get into a London marathon? I'm like, I think I did. So, and then last year, because I posted about it, and then I think Robert Wang and other people at our big web administrators, so our big web pages, then they posted about it. Like literally the bibs were gone, like, you know, four seconds from New Balance. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's, that way of getting in is gone. You could forget that one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the comments are going to be funny. So, I mean, we, I imagine when you get that email, just like, is it for real? And you're like, well, why? then you just go for it. But then at the same time, it's just, uh, you know, people sort of complaining like, well, it's unfair that you live in, in the UK. Well, I was born here, so <laughs> get over it. Yeah, that, that stuff's always, <laughs> that stuff, I'm just, I don't want to hear about any of that crap anymore. You know, just shut yeah. up already, you know. Oh, well, you know, that's it. This is the way it goes. New York can have their rules. Boston can have their rules. That's the way it goes. Tokyo has their rules, you know. It's yeah, same as Tokyo as well. I mean, it's pretty hard to get to Tokyo as well. I think Tokyo, um, say, Tokyo's well, the uh, hardest. Tokyo's the hardest, yeah. Marcus, in terms of their times. And uh, they just don't. They don't cut you any slack as a master's runner either. So the one silver lining for me is that I will be edging up to 60 by the time any of these races go. And I will be able to qualify for any of them, you know, as a master 60, you know, as, well, as long as I don't break myself completely <laughs> with all the miles I'm doing, we'll see. The times that I've been running have been good enough to get me in anywhere, including Berlin and Tokyo and London. Um, so that's that part is good. So if you stick with it, all you youngsters out there, this is the old dude on the on the on the mic with uh, brother Marcus here. If you stick with it long enough and you stay healthy, you'll be able to get into races too. You say old dude, Ron, but like you're still cracking out some great times. Sometimes people my age and younger can't run. So, oh, <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks. That's, for like, that's like your pool hustling sort of technique, isn't it? It's like, uh, <laughs> I'm an old guy. <laughs> yes, lose all your money. <laughs> yeah, I'm old. I couldn't possibly beat you in a race. But if you want to, you want to bet on the outcome, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so before we kind of wrap up, I just want to kind of move on to something we touched on earlier in terms of like looking at sort of the mass participation events and in terms of what they'll look like moving forward. Um, now we've sort of on the same sort of uh, thoughts that, that basically they're not going to be the same um, from what we had from last year, just because of obviously health wise, it's just, it's not appropriate. Um, so what do you think races will look like moving forward? I think it's a TBD at this point. Um, I think the first one up again, now it's back to Tokyo, right? And, uh, you know, they've been sending surveys out to to ask the people that were committed for 2021, would they run 2022 if they were given the option? Would you run 2023? I think there's just so much, you know, un, un, it's just still so unclear um, in terms how on, on terms of how they would tackle this. Um, I don't know if any race directors if they were, if there's a way that they could put out a waiver where if you signed it and said, Hey, if I got COVID, you know, I'm, I'd still run the race or something like that. I, I just wonder, I'm, I'm sure there is no, no rock that they're not overturning in terms of looking at alternatives and, and you and all the other race directors with technology. Um, so I think it's, it's a little bit of a TBD of what these races are going to look like and what's the first one that's going to pull off a real like major size field again. And, you know, Tokyo will be here before you know it. Um, you know, what is that, March? I have, to, I have to look in my calendar. I have them all logged in there somewhere. I think it's March. And then, as you said, Boston's April. And now we have a hole with uh, London where they were. And, you know, then we would go into the back half. Instead of having three races to finish, you'd have four. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting year. And, you know, I think um, for people that, you know, really want to maybe start thinking about running some trail races, tip, dip your toe in the ultra community. I think it might be easier with social distancing, Marcus, and you know that too, because you've done some of this stuff yourself. Um, maybe find some some trail or ultra and longer races where the fields aren't as large and it's natural for people to be spaced out. I mean, once you get going, once the gun goes off, I mean, that's pretty much what happens in an ultra anyway. Yeah. I mean, you've hit on a great point. I think especially here in the UK and I, I know probably other places as well, that there are some ultra races. I know like Ultra X have got a race in, in the Peak District around September. So that's an option uh, for people here in the UK. And there's other races that have taken place this weekend and are going to be ongoing uh, throughout the year. Like for the point that you made that it's easier to kind of fall within the uh, requirements. So people aren't in as much kind of... Uh, potentials for like danger in terms of sort of covid um so 
that's definitely an option moving forward. Um, but I would say in terms of if you're going to be looking at marathon running um, or kind of that sort of mass participation event, I think the main point that we're trying to make here is that, you know, we don't know what the new normal will look like. And I think we just have to kind of uh, accept that the races of the past won't be here or will look very different moving forward. So adaptation um, is key. Um, I think we need to also be mindful of your long-term goals, even though this year you could say potentially it hasn't happened on the races. I mean, it's not wasted in terms of training, um, you know, carry that forward. Um, and there are still, um, we, I know we've spoken about the ultra races, but I think there's also opportunities coming up for smaller field races. So for example, for me, I've got a, a race happening on October 4th, which is an officially distance marathon. Um, but the field is very is a lot smaller, and I think that might be you know um, something that we're going to have to adapt to moving forward. Smaller field races. Um, it's great to run in Boston, London, and obviously all the other majors that we've spoken about. But I think let's be honest that they're not going to be there for a while. So I think we're just going to have to be a little bit more adaptable in terms of what we're doing. Yeah, I think that's it. We all have to adapt to the times as we're all trying our best to do. Um, so I think that's. Um, that's what we need to spend a little more time researching and, you know, uh, test your boundaries, you know, get out on a trail, ride a mountain bike, start swimming, um, you know, just do something new and break up your routine. And like you said, I think that there are races going on here in the U.S. There, obviously, there are smaller fields um, and you have to do a lot more work. And definitely, and on the trail ultra side, more of those are going forth because it's just easier. The aid stations are very far spread apart, right? And they can package things and seal them. Um, so there's a lot less of that hand-to-hand uh, -hand contact situation, which you would normally have. So we'll see. We'll see. But the um, most important thing is that we're just keep doing our thing and uh, stay healthy. This is what keeps us healthy, right? Without our ability to, to grind those miles, um, we, we lose out on the opportunity to keep ourselves together in a very stressful time. And, uh, we all need it, man, for stress relief and just for mental health and well-being. not to mention the great, uh, physical benefits that we all get from, from some, uh, some long physical activity. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like a fake Jerry Springer saying this, like, we need to make sure we take care of ourselves and each other <laughs> during this time. <laughs> I love it. Jerry Springer, there'd be a brawl in the audience though, right? Somebody would be like, what? That's not true. <laughs> Somebody would yeah. come out. Guys will be going toe to toe in the front row. So what, you got a London place? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Let's <laughs> all fight what? about it. Yeah. Yeah. That, oh, that'd be a great episode, right? <laughs> oh, you, you ran that virtual time. Oh man, you didn't run that many miles. Yeah, I swear in the Run With Rivs Challenge, I, I should send you the link. There's a person that's down for like 12,893 miles. Now, honestly, like how this could be bothering me is laughable, but it does give you the insight to crazy runners. Like every day I go on the site and I keep thinking it's going to get taken down and I'm looking at it going, it's still here, okay? This person did not, you know, hike 12,893 miles in 11 hours. I'm like, hello, somebody needs to take this thing down. They probably entered their steps or God knows what they did, but it's still on there every day, like haunting me. Like you're in first place for miles. No, I think not. So we don't need the marathon investigations guy for that one, but yeah, it's all good, right? Yeah, it's pretty obvious. I think you got a lot of help there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. If you can hike 12,893 miles in 11 hours, man, I want to meet you. I want to hang with you, man. Exactly. We need to go to your training camp and see like what you're doing. Yes, <laughs> yes. And speaking of that, that's what we really should do. That's what we should figure out a way to do, Marcus. Let's, between your contacts and mine, let's figure out a way to do some kind of cool running camp that we could do social distancing with and go someplace Seriously, like, I mean, I don't know, Kenya or someplace. I mean, we should really put some thought into that. I know just with the reach that you have and, you know, the, the platforms that we have, if we put it out there, people are just so bored. Of course, we'd have to find a country or a place that we're allowed to travel to, right? So that's a big part of it. Um, that wouldn't lock us down for 14 more days, but wouldn't that be fun? Just like go somewhere and just like run. I, I know in the US, like Boulder is famous or um, 
you know, other parts, uh, Arizona's got altitude and other areas, but I'd love to get out of the U.S. personally. So I'd love to go <laughs> somewhere in another country for fun. So we should, we should definitely brainstorm on that and, and throw it out there. Um, you know, put it up, put it up there in the post, man, when you put this up there, where should we go? What kind of cam could we do? Who would be interested in throwing some sponsorship money? And I bet you, I bet you we could pull something together. I think with everyone sort of at home during lockdown or they'd love to go, uh, but you know, all these sort of travel restrictions and COVID testing and quarantine ties makes it so challenging. But um, like my coach does something in, in Kenya. Uh, so I know potentially when it's safe to do so, that'd be quite cool. And also I heard that Knox Robertson is setting up something in Mexico as well. Yes. Um, so, I mean, that'd be quite cool to see what that looks like when it's all said and done. But yeah, I mean, I think that would be such a cool thing. I think once we're kind of in a, see, see where we are in a, down the line and, uh, I think, yeah, I think so many people would be sort of chomping at the bit to go. <laughs> cool. It's a big idea for us to work on. I like it. Definitely. Um, so is there any sort of final points that you wanted to add in before we kind of wrap up? Uh, I think we, I think we did a great job hitting all the, hitting all the high notes. Just that I always just try to encourage people to just stay positive, you know, stay positive, um, find something that makes you feel positive, you know, find something that is going to make you feel like you're winning the day. Um, and like for me, just getting back onto a bicycle after four whole years and um, having it be such a different feel than, you know, the, the feel that we get when we make contact with the ground, whether it's on the roads or the dirt or a trail or wherever we're running. It's just, it's a different experience of even easy riding of 15 miles an hour still feels uh, just incredibly good. You know, it's liberating, it's different, and it's breaking it up for me where every day I'm doing, I'm on one or the other. So for me, that really was some magic that I've just found recently along with, you know, doing charitable things. So, you know, for, if for any old triathletes out there, or maybe someone who's thought about doing triathlon, you know, maybe, you know, try to find a pool where you can get some swimming miles in, or, um, if you don't have a bike, maybe now's the time to look at getting a bike and throwing that in the rotation to mix up your training. So that, that might be fun and help people, um, focus on something new. Yeah, I agree. And uh, those are some great points there. So uh, thank you for sharing that. And also, yeah, have fun, but don't cheat, as we said before. <laughs> <laughs> if you cheat, we're coming for you, man. We're going we're yeah, to we're, come and get we're you. We're going to find you. We're going we're gonna to go through those results with a fine tooth comb. Oh, yeah. And then we're going <laughs> to expose you on IG yeah. too. So it's going to be it's gonna be punitive as well. Yeah. So you, you ran 3.30 and now you run 2.45. Mm -hmm. oh, it's, it's just training, training and sleep. Well, John, John was probably coaching them. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyhow, Ron, where can people follow your journey online? And, uh, can you just let us know some of your IG contacts as well? Yes. I'd love to have some more people following the journey. It's Ron Runs NYC is my main Instagram page. And my uh, podcast is Run Chats with at Ron Runs NYC. So please uh, join me, come in, say hello. Send me a PM and tell me you heard heard me on Marcus's pod or whatever. I'll make sure to give you a follow back and and uh, appreciate very much the opportunity to be on with you again, my friend. I appreciate talking to you. It's always a pleasure talking to you, Ron. Thanks for being a guest again on a Runner's Life podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Marcus. Hope to see you soon. <laughs>